Sowed from whims of patient gods, woe be the constant clash of swords, the curse of mankind. In their swinging, these puppets will know but unrelenting death. And welcome back to Old Taku No Radio. Uh, I am Jared, as usual, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty companion in in all things podcasty uh, and uh, Annie Twitter's poet laureate, the wonderful Ink. But not only that, uh, we are excited and, and giddy, dare I say, to to finally, after a long odyssey of thinking of when we could do a show with our dear friend Grant. We finally have brought on dear friend Grant of the Blade Leaking Thieves podcast, amongst many other things he does. Hello, Grant. <laughs> hey, hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Glad to be here. I don't often get a poem uh, before I enter the, the scene here, so this is a nice change of pace for me. It feels very feels very upscale. You know, should have dressed up a little more, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we'll be coming by with your complimentary cigar momentarily. Oh, terrific. <laughs> terrific. <laughs> Now this is service. <laughs> no, thanks for having me on, guys. It's, it's it's good to be on with fellow olds, fellow ancients. Yes. <laughs> Those from the before times. <laughs> yes. We've, we've been keeping really true to the to the old Taku spirit uh, in, in this season of Old Taku No Radio. We've had we've had a lot of, of, of guests of 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 similar or even more vintage uh, yeah. <laughs> eras of fandom. It's it's been really cool. Today, I guess we should talk about what we're actually going to podcast about. We are podcasting about the greatest anime that's not actually an anime. I, I can already hear Evan in my ear saying it's not an anime. Uh, I was going to get to it even if Evan wasn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but it's it's really an anime. Uh, just just trust us. Yeah, Thunderbolt Fantasy. Uh, particularly, we're we're talking today about season one. And the movie that sort of bridges seasons one and two, the sword of life and death. Uh, and we're going to say right off the bat with an exhortation of you should go watch the rest of it. Uh, and I haven't watched it all yet. I'm not caught up all the way, all the way up on it, but was very excited to, to get back into it. That's actually a pretty strong case for it being anime, because not having time to watch it is pretty much one of the key elements of being an anime. Um, so that's Evan's going to have trouble getting around that. I mean, that's, you know, startling yeah. evidence. Your move, Mento. Um. But it's not animated. I mean, I guess one could say that it's Super Marionation or... Yes. Perhaps tokusatsu, if, to, to use a term some fans might be closer with, but really it's 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 magic in in the artistic sense. It is it is light and sound and joy. It's everything I want in life. <laughs> and that's there's it's worth a mention. There's an episode zero uh, if you watch this through Crunchyroll, um, and that episode zero is actually just a uh, a trip through the director's fascination with puppetry, mm-hmm. and I think that there's Hotegeki. Um, which was the, that Eastern art of puppetry mm-hmm. uh, that's like sort of sort of at home in Taiwan right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, how much Urobuchi just fell in love with that and the magic of it, like Grant said. Uh, so yeah, it's it's perfect. And Tokusatsu is right along with those lines, <laughs> but yeah, not animated. So no. except for the CG uh, <laughs> special effects. Yeah. There's maybe your bridge. 
Um, Inc., tell us about Thunderbolt Fantasy in 500 words or less. <laughs> Luckily enough, I happen to have a 500-word here, essay here. Uh, I saw that. <laughs> so uh, there's, these, there's this brother and sister, and they're guardians of a mystical sword, and they're attacked uh, and almost defeated entirely by goons of a mystical sword enthusiast. And due to a debt incurred by the presence of one coincidental umbrella and the delivery of a divine guilt trip, a wandering swordsman comes across this, the wounded sister, uh, who is now mourning her brother, who died during that battle, and vows to protect her. And since she holds half of the key needed to unlock the sword she vowed to protect and will be constantly hunted for it, and because one man is not allowed to own all the fancy swords, a small group of eclectic characters assembles a slightly larger group of eclectic characters (laughs) to withstand the trials of the path to the collector's castle, retrieve the missing piece, and defeat the thief. And there you have it. Um, Yeah, this is... uh... God, this is such a neat, like fantasy story but before before we dive too much deeper into that let's take a moment to thank our our wonderful patrons who have graciously partaken of 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 giving us money and uh sing their praises and so we would like to welcome two new patrons this month uh one being dr glendale thank you doctor and thank you doctor all geeks considered the podcast uh, which absolutely go listen to All Geeks Considered. And, yeah. and I'm going to even tell you an episode that you should go listen to. It's an episode that Grant and I were on together where they talk about RPGs and we end up giving like an entire fucking like lecture about <laughs> RPGs. Vinny was, he was trying to get out, but we'd locked the doors before we started and he was just pulling at the handle trying to escape. He couldn't get and, away. And then I think three hours later, we, we finally ran out of air in our lungs to, you know, <laughs> to talk about it. But it, it was a super fun episode. Um, absolutely go check that out. Go mm. check that podcast out. Uh, and thank you, Vinny and Diego, for uh, supporting the show. Uh, much love. Both, much. yeah, much love to them. Both terrific fo- folks. Indeed. Um, so back to Thunderbolt Fantasy. Uh, this is a. I'm going to mispronounce this because this is not a language that I have mastery over in any metric at all. But um, I've I've heard it called Wuxia. Wuxia is a, a pretty. Com- I, I mean, again, I'm also not uh, terribly proficient, but Wuxia is a, a pretty common pronunciation for the word thank god um <laughs> i feel better because i know you watch a lot of it too and yeah so, <laughs> it's not um, a I, i'm an amateur enthusiast you know i'm i'm, I'm always, as in everything not an expert but really excited to talk about it and learn as much as i can about it and i think wuxia is a pretty accurate description of where this would fall um based on you know my limited knowledge and i don't i wouldn't consider it that there's a few ways you could kind of quibble and, you know, it, this is one of those things where like, oh, what makes something high fantasy or low fantasy? And be, oh, well, you can get into semantics and hair splitting and all that kind of all day. But I think Wuxia is a pretty accurate descriptor for this based on what, what it's about and what it does. And for those of the uh, audience who don't know what Wuxia is, uh, what is Wuxia? You know, probably one of the, uh, I guess, best ways to describe it is kind of compare and contrast, where obviously people are familiar with martial arts films, you know, kung fu films, which can be set in all different eras and stuff. But wuxia is usually meant to be some kind of um, story of the martial arts world 
that takes place in a it, there's there's a lot of different meanings here, right? I mean, obviously, the language has has a lot of robust layers of meaning, but I think most people would as, would associate Wuxia with a vaguely hi, sort of historical tale, kind of a period piece. At some point in China's history, there's a few different time periods that kind of pop up, but vaguely a, a story of martial warriors in a sort of time and place that maybe never was, but is sort of there in the you know the kind of the common the sort of greater, I guess, imagination, right? I mean, in the same way when you say, like, a fantasy story, you know, fantasy can take place in any time and place, but when you say fantasy, some of the most immediate tropes are sort of Arthurian, right? Oh, it's castles and dragons and magic swords, and there's certain tropes that pop up quite frequently when someone says that, and you usually have to use... That doesn't mean that's all it can be, but those are very frequent. So I think Wuxia is generally a story of martial warriors who we would... There's a couple different translations, but they're basically kind of knights errant or, or martial heroes who are i guess the key is that they're not really a part of or the majority of them are not really a part of the sort of established society if you will they don't you know these aren't i mean you obviously have government officials and you have soldiers and you have all these people who are a part of you know th- th- they play a role but the the primary antagonists and protagonists and so forth are usually people who are kind of on the edge of society i would say it's usually translated as like martial world or the martial arts world, but there's a particular world word, uh, the Zheng Hu, which is like, uh, it, it technically means like of the rivers and lakes, but it doesn't, what it really, it's kind of like when someone says, oh, this is a movie about the criminal underworld. Like when I say the word underworld, you already kind of had this image of like, you know, gangsters and people who like, are they're on the outskirts of society and it like bleeds over into regular society but it's you know it kind of operates under its own rules and own codes and there's some people there that you know maybe there's some expected norms but you never know what's going to happen and all that like obviously the jong Hu is not inherently a criminal thing like criminal underworld but in the same sense that it kind of evokes this space that's not part of polite society although there's some overlap and it's just kind of this world of these these various martial arts practitioners and the drama that arises between them. And there's a few other ways you could kind of go with it in terms of the scale, but Wuxia usually being about these martial heroes and, and, and the hard decisions that they have to make and, and the pursuit of objects of power and things like that. That's all very much in the space and in the oof. So I think that's pretty appropriate for what it's supposed to be. And it's about, you know, these guys who are guys and gals and so forth that are that are combating one another or, you know, they're constantly being pulled in or out of the game for one last big score, right? And all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would say in this you're kind of building off of your earlier mention of high and low fantasy, I would I would very much say Wuxia is a genre of fantasy but a a very specific one and i i i also feel like you're 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 right on to to really focus on the 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 martial arts world aspect of it because Mm -hmm. it it has a very strong sense of milieu beyond just being a fantasy uh and 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 beyond just having the tropes of of a of a fantasy that that has a, a a certain sort of of Eastern influenced uh, you know kind of cultural foundation, the milieu aspect of it very much, as you as you said, focuses around wandering heroes. Uh, journey stories are very common in mm-hmm. in this genre. Um, you know there is some you know it's not really well. Sometimes there is explicit magic, but it's you know a lot of times you're you're seeing 
you know, people performing heroic feats of skill akin to what you would you would see, I think, if you looked at like the Greek tales of, of, of Greek heroes where they, they don't necessarily do magical things, obviously magical things, but they, they do things that are far surpassing the capabilities of what your average human or even an expert human would be able to do because it's, it's just sort of an, an exaggerated or, in, or heightened sort of sense of, of skill or athleticism. Yeah, no, definitely agreed. And I think there's a there's the overlap, and this is where it gets into the hazy area of where do you really split, say, like, if you want to call wuxia low fantasy, quote unquote, mm. and there's a sort of the the higher fantasy, if you will, of Xianxia. And like, that's a really sort of, that's a, just a loose comparison to use terms that most folks probably know, like low and high fantasy and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, a lot of it is rooted in sort of the modern tropes around kind of Taoist principles and kind of religious teachings and involving internal cultivation, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and creating sort of basically internal magic, if you will, to do things that a, a normal person may not be able to do. Um, usually it's about the pursuit of immortality, right? Yeah. And that's really where I think works that are very explicitly Jean Jean, like go to like just some, I, I guess I would make the comparison like how Dragon Ball starts at a certain place and then Z gets the scale gets bigger and then by like super and GT you're battling you know corrupted gods and and you know like existentially like like concepts right you're not even battling the martial artists from the school down the street anymore it's the scale has become something else entirely and there's a similar kind of progression there and that is a similarly a, a cultivation story at it, at its core but i think that it, it, there's a i think a good comparison is that you know a lot of what we would consider to be the visual signifiers of magic in sort of fantasy that the audience may be more familiar with, right? Oh, like Gandalf has like a, a staff and like a, a, a book, right? Or, or, you know, wizards go and read ancient scrolls or they use magic potions and stuff like that. Like the certain visual signifiers you would see from other forms of what a lot of the audience might consider quote unquote magic. There's just different visual signifiers here. And a lot of times in the sort of more Western you know, European version of fantasy, if you will, there's often this distinction between like a martial warrior like Conan or or Hercules mm. or something versus a yeah. wizard, you know, Arthur and Merlin, you wouldn't see Merlin wield a sword like that. Like there's, there's this kind of this, there's this separation between these two ideas, like might and magic being sort of either antagonistic or alt, you know, you don't, you don't do, you don't really cross the streams as it were. But here, these are basically just kind of fighter wizard multi-classes, right? They're, they're, yeah. they're able to do martial feats because of their magic, and it's an internal expression that also sometimes has external expressions. But there's also overlap, too. Things like magic potions and, and all that kind of stuff. There's, there's overlap there. That's also kind of key to the philosophy of behind the, crea- behind the uh, systems of thought, behind the creations of these works, is, you know, Eastern tends to be a lot more integrated, and, it, you, know, you know, the balanced halves and whatnot, whereas Western stories tend to be much more versus, you know, one side versus the other. Yeah, and, and the over, there's, there's overlap and differences, and like, but, I mean, ultimately, it's just the, it seems different in some ways it seems very different in its expression but in other ways it feels the i think the net effect is pretty much the same you know what do characters like hercules like what does hercules do right he's still a magical hero who defeats monsters and defeats you know has to deal with the with the gods and you know the 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 net effect i think is generally the same but some of the visual signifiers are a little different um and some of the the ways it's expressed you know there's always a training montage are you 
going to an ancient library to study forgotten tomes of mystic literature or are you going and training on a windswept hilltop and in some in all versions of fantasy there's a lot of different ways in which all these various characters can can find that magic and find that power yeah um, but there's there's definitely um and there's I, I i would say there's overlap especially in the sort of fiction that's very current right if you look at something like Dungeons and Dragons or the various kind of role-playing games that are out there like what are those if not kind of the modern iterations it's there's all about leveling and getting stronger and getting these new powers and spells and abilities and it's like this you know there's always going to be overlaps in some ways and some of it's literary and some of it's more modern and it's just kind of all over the place but the the I think the the key here is with Wuxia and Zhang Zhang these sorts of things and like the visual expression and the idea that like a wizard doesn't just wave a wand and cast a spell they may sort of channel an internal ability and then punch somebody but the net effect is they're using magic to defeat an opponent it's it, there's overlap and differences and all that yeah yeah i'm glad it took us 20 minutes but we got the D. good job grant <laughs> I, did it. I did it i did it we did it um yeah, I, I think when I think about like Western comparisons to Wuxia heroes, I, I, I always go to the heroes of, of, of Greek mythology. And sort of from that, the sort of the Joseph Campbell sort of definition of a hero, right? Like, I, I feel like the Wuxia heroes uh, and the heroes we see in Thunderbolt Fantasy, I think, are very emblematic of hero doesn't necessarily mean good it means that they're good or evil it it, it means that they're extraordinary you know right for sure mm. for sure yeah um i i it, it's hard to draw too direct many correct uh, none of those words those weren't even words i'm just making sounds with my mouth at this point <laughs> um you know it, it is its own tradition with its own rules and tropes and things like that a lot of them again very modern if you look at writers like Jin Yong and so forth um yeah. doing this in the you know a lot of modern mass media in the 20th century really sets tropes kind of across the board in many many spectrums um but i think there's a a, a close analog to and again i'm a big arthurian literature guy but if you think about the time period sort of in the sort of la morte de arthur like the kind of romantic cycle post Arthur ascending to the throne, but then like between there and um, say, you know, Mordred and the betrayal and all that kind of stuff where you have this just kind of like sense of there's this code of knights and then all the knights of the round table are sort of like traveling around kind of just getting into shenanigans and stuff and going on quests, but sometimes helping and fighting each other and there's mistakes and then there's, you know, feuds amongst the different factions within the court, like that kind of general sense of there being these kind of wandering knights errant, right? And these heroes that, you know, when you say like a knight, a knight could be a good person, a bad person, whatever. But like you mentioned, he's an extraordinary person from, from society's perspective who has the tools to impact the world around them for better or for worse. And these martial characters are in a similar space. Like, are they good? Are they evil? Sometimes they're just trying to survive too because I think I think some of the perspective on Wuxia and stuff, because there's kind of a religious element in some way there's the sense that like oh well it's all very much you know it's about ascending and immortality and it's this kind of like higher ideal and obviously some characters do have ideals but as we'll talk about with a lot of what happens in thunderbolt fantasy you know the jong hu the, the martial world is a, a a pretty ruthless place where people are after they're not after it just for enlightenment in this broad like they want powerful weapons they want the best techniques because 
they're out to kill people and people are out to kill them. Like, it's not necessarily a nice place. It can be quite ruthless. Again, the underworld comparison there is not, an, it, it, it's a close one, right? You know, yeah. there's a sense of danger to everything you do. Nobody's really ever safe. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I, I, when I, as I was thinking about fantasy novels that, that channel some of this, <laughs> channel's a funny word to use, given what I'm about <laughs> to mention, but uh, The Wheel of Time, I think is, okay. is 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 a is a series that reflects a lot of a lot of Eastern concepts in a similar way, and a lot of the characters there have these sort of extraordinary heroic qualities, even if they're not necessarily good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, that's if you haven't heard of the Wheel of Time, or if you haven't haven't experienced it, you will because it's coming to a screen near you very soon. <laughs> but um, how long is that going to take? My goodness. Oh, God. <laughs> At least it's all the way written. Thank God. So, yeah, that's true. So say that, that about some fantasy series, right? Ooh, rip. <laughs> rip. But, uh, but yeah, get, getting back to Thunderbolt Fantasy, you know, absolutely uh, a story set in a rich tradition of wuxia fantasy, uh, which is, again, its own, its own thing that, mm-hmm. that very much stands alone and outside of itself. One, one of the other things that I love about this show that I so much so that I, I made a bullet point of it, and this is one of my driving in the car moments, is the extraordinarily stylized and beautiful look of these puppets. And I, mm-hmm. I would say that there's, I feel like, and I don't know if this is explicit, but, but there's a very visual K-inspired uh, kind, of, kind of design of, of these puppets because you know, visual K being a musical movement from the late 80s and, and 90s uh, where you have really lots of very androgynous hair metal looking type people uh, with elaborate costumes and fantastic hair and that's essentially what you have in Thunderbolt <laughs> Fantasy elaborate costumes, fantastic hair, beautiful faces uh, <laughs> with one notable exception uh, but but yeah, I, that was one of the things that struck me about the puppets too. I was like, man, I feel like so many of these puppets just really look like they should be in Malice Miser or <laughs> something. And how they get treated too. Like they're literally thrown around the set. Yeah. And I'm not sure if they had like backup puppets or these things, these things are just as durable as heck, but you know, just, just after every explosion, after every uh, impact from a sword hit, you know, you'd see these things just falling, and they're not on wires. They're just, you know, slamming down against the the wood board of the set. And I'm just thinking, man, so much work went into making that pretty thing. <laughs> my my favorite is when they get their fingers cut off or something, and then the fake blood comes spewing out of them, and like, you're like, oh no, that poor puppet. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I think, um, I mean, you you hit on a really good point there about the the sort of theatric element, um, and the fact that it is basically kind of like a night out at the theater and always obviously a lot of this is drawing on a really rich tradition of chinese opera and, and Peking opera and so forth which you know oftentimes and again i'm not a scholar of that this is a place that i need to learn a lot myself but there's very much the sense of like sometimes the sets may not always be as elaborate but the the costuming and the masks and so forth are very very elaborate and often mm-hmm. 
the more elaborate the uh, costume, the more important the character. That's a way to signify that to the audience and so forth. Mm. Uh, you know, and the color themes and stuff to let you know, oh, this character is like this and this character is like that to send, you know, to let the audience know right away that's what's going on here. And there's a lot of like, okay, sometimes, you know, the, the characters have to really sort of play up certain elements to help you imagine, okay, pretend like a set for a second, you know, that the set is like this, even though it may not be. But the quality of these puppets is really, really uh, engaging. And it, again, this activates, for me, uh, the tokusatsu part of my brain, where I love practical special effects. And there's such mm. a such a draw here, because these are all handcrafted um pieces of art. I mean, there's no other way to put these are interactive pieces of art that are sort of putting on a display um, and just watching them move and emote and they, they blink and the, it, it's just such a, it's just such a rich and wonderful thing. And it pulls you in and it, as an audience member, it's so much more engaging to me. Of course, there's, there's some element of like, okay, these don't really look like people, but you know, that that's with anything, right? It, it, I think it's easier to get into something like this than it is say like a CG show or even an anime sometimes. Right. Um, they just, they're really beautiful and they're incredibly oh, well done. And they're, they're big too. Like you think puppet, you think like a thing that fits on your hand, but these things are like, they're, they're like a couple of feet tall. They're two somewhere in like the, the two to three foot tall ballpark. And for the most part, yeah. um, and they're all handmade and they're and they do get roughed up quite a bit. I'm sure there are like quote unquote stunt doubles. I mean, that's usually how it works in like when Toei does Tokusatsu productions and stuff. They have like here's the really nice suit that we use for the like the when we first introduce the suit and we got to have the excellent close-ups so that you know what the toy looks like when you go to buy it. But then there's also <laughs> like the stunt guy's suit that's maybe not quite as detailed cuz we're we're throwing him off a motorcycle and blowing up a building behind him in 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, we're hoping you don't see the sweat stains and and, and the, the, yeah. the scuff marks on the yeah. boots and, yeah. Um, yes. But these a lot of them are just so elaborate and nice and just it's really a wonder like just to just to see them like oh my gosh i can't believe you know i can't believe these things are real this is so great and watching them move around and all that it's just, it's a delight and something i wanted to touch on uh that you said that you know about being drawn out by the fact that these aren't uh you know you can identify them as not being human or you know you identify them as puppets but the production does such a good job with never really going outside of its own universe mm. of staying so close in set and through camera work and the master manipulation of these uh, pu glove puppets that you don't really have a chance to question uh, whether or not these are actual actors quote unquote because mm -hmm. they are yep. they very much are through you know the people who are manipul manipulating them mm -hmm. but because of the quality of production you're never outside of the story mm -hmm. like they did a really good job of never causing flukes to say hey you know you know that's part of our world not that one even watching <laughs> this a second time i was struck by how transparent the puppetry was to me in delivering the story and the characters. Mm. And one of the things that struck me also the second time, still being transported by, by the storytelling, I, I was at least able to kind of identify and recognize how much my own brain was sort of filling in the gaps. So mm -hmm. as, as these puppets are talking to each other, and they've got these slight mannerisms that are suggestive of their actual like if you're if you're visualizing what these characters are how they're moving 
you know, they sort of suggest how they'd move, but I found myself kind of just as I'm watching in my mind's eye sort of filling in all the other visual little visual mm-hmm. ticks and things and you know, suddenly, you know, uh uh Lin Setsua, Mr Mr. Enigmatic Gale Man, uh, you know, he kind of motions with his with his with his pipe and I'm like I'm like seeing him kind of flourish it a little bit as he talks and stuff. You know, and it, it's absolutely just more in, in that sense to me, more engaging than most cartoons that I see to mm-hmm. keep it broad and not just specifically pick on anime. But like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, there was a level of transportation with this story that goes beyond what I normally see. And I think that's because of something of the visceral nature of the puppets. Mm-hmm. Makes it more like a stage play, as Grant, as you had alluded to earlier, with the the Peking Opera reference. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of practical effects is that obviously it's not quote unquote real, but you never like when a puppet moves and their hair moves, or their you know the jewels on on, on their wrist dangle, or when they like the way they're the flow of their cloak and things like that that's all real like the the world does all that right you don't have to have animators do that so they can even though obviously there's a lot of skill in in creating and and um sort of manufacturing the puppet if you will and then you obviously you have to be trained to move it but like there's 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 something of uh you don't have to animate every cell necessarily and you don't have to nece- you don't have to worry about like the physics of how something looks because it's all literally real <laughs> so right. it, it looks and feels real in its even though it is surreal um and it just like with something like say and this is the power of puppetry writ large right like our brains naturally fill in the gaps it's no different than when you read manga or comics or something and panel to panel your brain is providing with your imagination provides that connective tissue and and in fact it's not only so it'll be really good at it and uh oftentimes you won't even realize you're doing it but it may actually be a better and more profound effect than actually seeing it fully animated because you're you know seeing it animated you can pick out flaws and things like that but like because you're filling in the gaps yourself with you know the best your imagination has to offer it actually ends up probably being better on the net <laughs> yeah I, I i absolutely think it's so yeah this is actually my one qualm with the uh the puppet design um is the fact that their mouths move but their mouths move don't move well and like i'm not expecting these guys to be you know doing like a, a kid's puppet show where you know the mouths are actually you know matching the words and whatnot mm-hmm. um but at times they just kind of looked like fish in a in a <laughs> aquarium and they just sort of be bobbing with their lips and not you know entire sentences spoken without their lips moving and then all of a sudden they'd move like a couple times and i'm just like they could have just had the thing sealed shut and it would have been the exact same story (laughs) once again we enter into the realm of tokusatsu arguments where it's like do you like monsters that have the rubber mouths that move up and down like like a you know like these puppets do or do you like a completely just blank face that never moves and this is an age old battle i personally like the little movements and i understand that it can take you out of it but like you know to get the full say like you know like on the muppets or something when they have you know or sesame street or something like they have full mouth articulation and stuff but that's because it's where all the effort is going is making it look like they're mm. really talking right there's obviously sacrificing that to have much more acrobatic and sort of physically um, dynamic puppets, so the mouths have to be somewhat limited because there's just not enough space for a full hand to go up there. <laughs> um, I personally like the little mouth movements, but 
that I I know that's just that that may just be me. <laughs> and and I'm a third I'm a third flavor entirely. I tune those mouth movements out entirely because so much half of this show is happening in my mind. Mm. You know? <laughs> and so I'm really looking less at the specific puppets than I am just looking at everything that's on my screen at one time and it, it's just sort of translating directly. Mm. It really feels the same as reading to me. Yeah, it's a really similar vibe. Like reading, like reading a novel. Mm-hmm. And in essence, you are, because uh, that the the characterization, characterization, characterization. Good God, why can't I speak? <laughs> you transferred my, your mouth movement disease to me, Grant. <laughs> the characterization, we'll go with that, uh, is is entirely from the story, and you can project that on the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that totally fits in with with what you were saying, uh, Jared, and also with what Grant was saying. But yeah, it's, it's the, it's, it was my backwards compliment to the story itself that, you know, the, the worst of it is this, you know, minimal mouth movement because it sure. just breaks that uh, projection. And I, I think on top of just like the physical practical effects being so great for the puppets themselves, just like with Tokusatsu in the sense of, you know, watching a either you know a common rider episode or a, a gamera film or a godzilla film sometimes you just go like oh my god i forgot they're on a set that set that someone built like if characters are sitting there at a table eating food someone built that little table and they built the little bowls with the little fruit in it. and you're like look at that it looks real for them yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and you your mind immediately even sometimes you just wonder i wonder about the craft that went into making this little house for these like two foot tall puppets like i or making <laughs> how do they make the sets work in such a way that it feels like the puppets are running around like you feel like okay they're running around on solid ground but mm-hmm. clearly they have to have spaces for the for them to the puppet the puppeteers to move around and do what they have to do like your mind uh, like begin, can can fall back to appreciating just the craft of doing it right it's it's similar oh, yes. to watching Absolutely. those like behind the scenes where they do like for dagobah in you know empire strikes back and it's like okay well luke and this puppet are interacting and you see like the set for the swamp and how they had to build all that to make that possible and it's so fascinating almost more so than anything that's happening in the text right it's just like oh Hmm. this is such a cool way to make this happen and you also start to appreciate in all those scenes like all the banners and the backdrops and the towns like all even the side characters and stuff you know this is where animation would be easier drawing a side character is a little bit easier than building a puppet for one scene right but they still did and so when you have that i think like depth of uh like a kind of a rich textured backdrop for all these scenes whether it's the sets the movement of the grass the dirt or just characters in town moving around giving the feel of like a living world you're just like wow people made all of that that's so impressive and that's so what a cool like what what dedication to craft and creating this sense of verisimilitude it's it's really really impressive it really is and you know what blew my mind was and it was just uh, this is very much an ink core thing but when they with the characters would be pouring sake mm. into the little cups and i and you know, i was totally uh, engrossed by the magic at that point because i wasn't thinking like oh yeah they weren't filming this all one shot and zoomed in on it so as an actual puppet pouring it they could just have a little hand that they used to pour into the cup yeah. and then you know <laughs> draw back and see the actual puppet doing just holding mm-hmm. something but in that moment, like that puppet was pouring that drink. Right. That's how realistic it looked. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's so great. I, lo- I love it. And I also I do like that you don't some of the animation tricks that are often used. I say tricks. You know, it's a tool to speed up production under 
you know, grueling production schedules. I don't want to act like it's a cheat, but sometimes when you have characters in anime talking or something like that, or in a traditional animated feature or something, it's like you have to do certain camera angles or, oh, this shot is over their shoulder. Or, oh, their face is covered by a fan or something so that you can kind of buy yourself time to not have any movement there for a bit. Like, okay, we're going to really slow pan here. It's going to buy us some time before another scene we have to animate that will require more time and effort and energy. But here, you the puppets built, you can just have them, you know, just waving their arms all around and being, I mean, they could be as animated as you want because the puppet's done. There's no cost there, right? They don't have to be still. They can move. Now, obviously, mm. the fight scene choreography and so forth and making sure, like you're saying, making the choreography believable in the sense of like, could you really believe this is a, you know, someone's not just waving their hand around like this is a, can you believe this is a character pouring a drink for themselves or whatever? Like that takes skill and effort too and, and time and reshoots, I'm sure. But there's less of an overhead of like once the character's built, there's no additional cost to animate necessarily. You can do all kinds of things with them. So the show, even if there's lots of long-winded discussions between characters, it always feels pretty lively. Like there are never really any slow scenes, I would say. It does. And I think it, I think that organic movement is, is part of how it keeps you drawn in. Mm-hmm. You know that is just the clever way that they that they tell their story. It, it, you know the one of the things that that struck me is is how much how much I enjoyed the the Sword and Life and Death movie. Mm. You know, mm. seeing seeing that 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 moment where um, and for the most part, I I hear the Japanese. I'm I'll kind of pre-answering one of our questions, but I hear the Japanese names, the dialogue, and so I gravitate towards calling characters by those names but i don't remember all of the names mm. but setsumusho and lin setsuwa when they're when they're at that that tournament uh you know for the the, the big the big sword convention tournament basically <laughs> the sword convention the sword convention <laughs> sword con yeah <laughs> um you know like that whole that whole tale of this is why setsumusho's so fucking pissed <laughs> At Lynn for, for for like that he would just basically murder anybody in his path. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. The most goth of all of our goth boys uh, in, in that show. Um, even those sort of quote unquote side stories, I thought were really engaging, and it's really cool to be able to see them use the puppets that you know kind of get written off in the story because uh, in the main story. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was. I think that's just a really good point that you raise, and and to me, what th- that movie sort of exemplifies that to a degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. I thought the movie actually eclipsed the uh, first season. I enjoyed watching the first season happen. I didn't like the story kind of at all. It just seemed rote and you know fairly common. I mean, it was an enjoyable a fantasy story. I'm not a I'm not a huge fantasy person, as Jared knows. Oh no. <laughs> Just reality for me, thanks. <laughs> no, no, like I, I was, I was an English major in college, so I did the whole, you know, uh, hero's journey bit, like oh. overdone, overdone, way too much. <laughs> uh, so watching this again just brought me back to a time in my life that I really hated reading everything that was brought in front of me. Um, but oh, spoken like a true editor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. It, it was done well. It was it was enjoyable to watch happen because of the craft, like we've so like we've gone over. But you know, it was it was also believably told, and it the episodes go by really quickly because they are engaging. Mm-hmm. But as as far as stories, like as like 
note the beats as they happened, uh, which is why I love the structure of the uh, the movie so much because it's kind of like two episodes. You get the uh, the backstory with uh, screaming Phoenix Killer and uh, enigmatic Gale, and then you get this excellent side story which is a recap episode it's the best recap episode ever <laughs> um, and it's it's a, a fake edges blade talking to recounting uh exaggerated tales mm. of the edgeless blade to the <laughs> real edgeless blade and i thought that Love was it. phenomenally done i was mm-hmm. laughing at every turn well I, and you bring up a, an important point that the first season feels kind of rote and then it feels like it really gets good with the movie and the follow-ups and so forth. And that, there's a there's an important, I guess, element to talk about here. So we, we mentioned that Genrobuchi is the writer here, and this this company though, uh, Peely, the the sort of the glove uh, puppetry company that does this, you know, they've been at this for, for quite some time, and they're sort of long running. They have a long running fantasy series with many seasons and so forth, but um, Thunderbolt Fantasy is kind of a side project that is. Like, I've not seen a whole lot of Peely. I know it is, like, loosely, kind of vaguely, sort of, you know, it's its own thing. But it could be connected or whatever. It's, you know, but it's meant to be kind of an entry point thing. And like any good soap opera or any good drama, you know, initially, you may not necessarily, it has to start kind of simple. It has to start kind of basic. Or, you know, you talk to somebody who's a fan of wrestling. And you watch a couple episodes, you're like, I don't really... It's just people coming in and out, and they're beating each other up, and who cares? But you stick with it long enough, and the interpersonal drama starts to really take off when you actually get like you get a grasp of who the main players are, and then you start to realize the drama between them. And then you're like, oh, no, he didn't. No, <laughs> she didn't do that to him. No, no wonder he's so mad. Now the plot doesn't even matter, right? You're hooked into those character stories, and that's the real grip. And I think, like, the first film second season and, and the, the second film i haven't watched the third season yet but the films and the second like as as you have more time with these characters and understand the drama between them that's when you're in it man that's like, like you know but the first season is a little it is a little rote right it's like ah, oh, we're collecting some magic swords and you don't really get too much plot quote you know it's just kind of they're wandering around and fighting and ah there's some zombie stuff here and cool stuff is happening but you're like I like the characters, but it's it feels a little light on the ground in terms of the plotting. But they're they're building that that kind of background knowledge and that familiarity, so that when the drama starts coming in, you're hooked. You're, you're yeah. so hooked. You'll you'll watch an hour long movie about one purple haired puppet, and you're like, oh, I get it. I I totally get it now. You know, it, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, without giving away the farm on, because I've seen the first part of the second season, but without giving away too much about that, they sure do make sure you know the geography of this mm-hmm. fantasy world and how there's mm-hmm. this big desert between these two nations that are separated by this further impediment, the demon spine mountains. Mm-hmm. They, they really want to want you to make sure that you know that edgeless blade is from another, uh, another land. And, right. and they, they talk about that just enough to, to make dang sure, you know, that when things start happening in the, the subsequent seasons that involve that other place that you're like, Oh, I know where that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of my assessment of the first season is rather rote is are the characters themselves. I've seen them other places. The voice actors behind them are doing a great job, and they're written well into the story. But I've you know I've seen them myriad places before. But the I always love a good trickster uh, and uh, unreliable narrators. And man, is enigmatic Gale a fantastic agent of chaos. Mm-hmm. I just 
love him. Any anytime you anytime you can't be sure of which direction is up, that's that's the kind of story I love. And that's without season one being as basic, like Grant said, um, as it appears, you can't have the revelation that the movie brings, uh, or have it be as impactful. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you really need to suffer for a while to really begin to enjoy the conflict that mm. the writing has between those two pieces. Yeah, because by the time you get to the movie, you like fully understand. No, Enigmatic Gale is just a fucking a-hole. <laughs> He's just he is straight up he 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 is just straight up wants to screw with people because he wants to screw with people because random <laughs> things annoy him and, you know, pretentious sword people annoy him which is a bit of a wink at the genre in general. And, and mm. so therefore he's, he's going to set up this, his bodyguard, this extremely famous uh, duelist to, uh, to have to kill his master. And, you know, it's like all this just ridiculous, ridiculousness. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. He's, he's incredible, but to really understand that you have to see the series. So by the time you get to seeing the movie, you're like, Oh, what are they doing together? Oh, this is a flashback. Oh, that means some shit's about to go down. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's when you know they've got you. <laughs> right, right, right. I also do love the uh, the lack of ego in the good... Well, actually, no, there's lack of ego on both sides. But um, the, the traveling swordsman from the distant land, uh, when he arrives, he's like, Oh, you know, you can just call me this. Or... Uh, the enig- enigmatic Gale, when he's first introduced, he's like, oh, why don't you just call me this? And it's like, this is where we're going to start. You don't know me. I don't know you. So it really doesn't matter what our names are. But I think, I think <laughs> the, the motivations with, and, and, and what's interesting, they, they are they're a perfect pair because they're, they're, they're unity of opposites, right? So like right. Hmm. the uh, Shofukan, enigmatic Gale, or not, Shofukan, Edges Blade, Junichi Sawagerbe, um, whose voice is unmistakable all the time. You know he's he is he is a man in hiding. He he does not want to be found. He doesn't want anybody to know who he is. He is not trying to draw attention to himself. He does the classic refusal of the call thing. To your point, Inc. That's very very what you would expect. Um, and he is like, uh, call call me this because you know whatever. I'm not important. And then enigmatic Gale Lin Setsuwa is very much a. Hmm. Call me this because knowing who I actually am would be detrimental, and I'm actually kind of a legendary trickster. So, so let's just let <laughs> let me give you an alias, and let me charm you into thinking that that's that that's exactly what you should call me because I'm just trying to help because I'm a nice guy. It, <laughs> you know that that contrast of why they do it, I, I it's just so brilliant. Yeah, and I, I, again, I think this really speaks to the the understanding. The Jong Hu as this sort of ruthless place. Like, why is one person so eager to help in this martial world? They may not actually have your best intentions in mind. And this other character who seems cynical and like they don't want to help anyone, maybe they just realize the stakes. And you know, there, there's a there's again, you got to be real careful with who's too eager to help 
and, and reading characters one way versus another and that slow kind of unrolling and unraveling of the layers of a character's backstory and the things they've been through and all that and the stakes that are there in this world. You just got to be, you got to be careful, friends close, enemies closer, all that stuff and all that subtext is there and just really, you know, the, these two leads are just, they're, they're terrific to watch and all the other characters that they pull in, you know, and it's about reputation and, and the names you go by and other people assuming your identity, all that stuff is, is part of, uh, part of the, the, the tropes and the language of, of, uh, of the genre. And it's really, really, it's just fun to watch and it's great to see. Hmm. So what else do we want to say broad strokes about the show before we start getting into, into question time? Uh, I guess I would just say that like, this is a really a great entry point, I think, if you are perhaps interested in a variety of things, like watching, you know, Wuxia. I mean, there's there are so many dramas and long form series and stuff for out right now that that are, that are easy to access. I'm watching uh, Word of Honor right now. Oh yeah, I I haven't started that yet, but it's in my queue to watch. I'm I'm like very excited. It's it's so good. I'm like five episodes in. I'm eating it up. I'm eating it up with this fork and a spoon. I'm just, I'm loving it. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. Like if you kind of want to dip your toes into that, you know, I I know how it is for everybody, right? Like I I know how it gets. You're like I already I'm into anime and there's already too much. I already can't keep up. I can't get into another thing with all this stuff where I don't even you know, like what's good. I don't I don't have time to keep up with it. How do I figure out what's like? You know, would you even like these kind of long form martial arts stories and stuff like that? I think this is a pretty, uh, you know, a thirteen episode series with these, uh, with the engaging hook of its puppets. I think is a fun way to just, hey, this will be a novel thing. I'll try it out, see if I like. Do I like practical special effects? You know, is is that a draw for me? Do I like these stories about martial heroes and things like that? Um, and if you just want a a good fun story with, uh, I think something we haven't mentioned really engaging martial arts like the uh the the fight scenes and the fight choreography is really good it's not you know it's not just dull and it's not um it doesn't fall into a category of uh i I guess sometimes in these sort of fantastic you know people with magical powers fighting each other type stuff they're not just throwing big fireballs at each other and standing still there's a lot of movement and there's a lot of kind of kinetic elements to it. It's a there's a really a lot of engaging swordplay and fun fight choreography that makes it really really fun to watch. Fight choreography with puppets. I mean, it's yeah with puppets. It's it's really impressive. It, yeah, you wouldn't think it would be like that cool to watch, but it's actually really really fucking cool to watch. <laughs> yeah. uh, ironically, when they're moving really fast and engaging in martial arts, I think it's actually even easier to believe they're real people than sometimes when they're standing still or not moving enough. Like you almost have more, you have less time to register. Like, wait, that's a puppet. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> like the fighting feels like the most real. I, even though they have like you know, glowing magic auras and are flying through the air, somehow they just seem like real people on a set, doing you know, doing choreography. Because that's I mean that's basically what they are, right? Just just kind of one hmm. step removed. Um, but that's all really engaging and fun and exciting. It's there's a really good fights no matter how you cut them. Um, so all that stuff is there and makes for for really engaging watch that I think can lead to to further stuff that you might enjoy. Or it could just be like a short like, hey, I'm gonna pop in. I don't need to know anything about this stuff. I watched a couple episodes. This seems neat. It's not for me. That's fine too. Like there's really no, you know, you, you're not on the hook for anything. Um, but I think it can hook you into a couple other genres if you're if you're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick, what, what did you have? I was just gonna say I'm gonna mention something that I don't think any of us has really brought up yet is the fact that 
this is a funny show. Yes. Like, it has a lot of comedy in it. Mm-hmm. And that help, that goes a long way in making this palatable to somebody who may be, you know, encountering it for the first time, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, Grant said, uh, or, you know, totally antagonistic towards watching anything with puppets. It's, uh, it's, it's not a comedy, but it knows how to use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it, it made the whole thing a very enjoyable watch. All I'm going to say is uh, watch the damn show. It's really good. I've been, <laughs> I've been jumping up and down about it for years now, uh, talking about how good it is. So, so please, please watch it if you haven't already. And, and if you have watched it already, uh, then, then let us know what you think about what we've talked about uh, via all of the different ways to reach us, which we will talk about later. But um, – <laughs> Uh, first, uh, let's let's move to questions, and I'm gonna start. Oh, I thought I thought we were doing spoiler section. Oh, we can we can talk about we'll talk about spoilery type things that you 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 wanna you wanna talk about. Go ahead. There, there's really only one thing: um, the climax of season one, where you get this huge demon that's been you know <laughs> set in place by this you know the sword that's been lauded throughout the first half of being like the, the end all of swords because it, you know, managed to stop this one demon that was rampaging through, uh, this section of the world. Um, it, it gets revived and it's this awesome looking puppet. Like it is legitimately terrifying. It is death and destruction all in one. It's the size of a mountain. It's got no lower half of a jaw. It is beautifully horrific and it's like cut down in a second <laughs> 30 seconds after it's introduced not only is it cut down in a second but we spent the entire so so we're spoiler it this this is really the only thing i wanted to ever talk about that's specific plot thing uh we, we spend the entire series the, the entire first season you know trying to stop bet's 10 guy super pretty evil man bones of creation uh, from putting together the sword. And then we have the demon, and it's like the worst thing ever, and and Edge's Blade, Shofukan, he's like, eh, hey, I got it, just, just hang on a minute. <laughs> and he, he walks up to this demon, and it's like, hmm, which of my 24 fucking swords that I have <laughs> that are just like this sword that I just like saw get destroyed which of these 24 swords do i want to kill you with oh it's going to be this pretty crystal one let's do that one okay and you're dead (laughs) which you you could draw out a metaphor for that saying you know that which we value can be pretty plain right Mm -hmm. that which we guard with our lives could be very commonplace to someone else it's it's all relative yeah right i think it's just a really good hook too um obviously like magic items are important in fantasy to of all stripes and sometimes they're you know symbols of terrible evil right the one ring that must be destroyed and is simply too powerful to use or sometimes it's a symbol of power and authority right the sword from the stone or what have you um all over the place Um, but it's a really neat hook and a lot of times you have this in uh, Wuxia and Zhang Zhao, these the pursuit of these magic items and who can get to them first, right? It's chasing for the Dragon Balls. It's uh, Word of Honor, what I'm watching right now. The whole thing is getting the, the glazed armor, which unlocks this ancient armory that can, you know, will give you unlimited power. So it's the pursuit of these this magic item or what are these items that have to be assembled. Um, 
but to have a character who's pursuing them to sort of take them out of the pool, if you will, uh, is a really it's a fun I think a fun twist. Like not no, I'm collecting them, but I'm trying to I'm trying to get this keep this out of people's hands, right? Because people mm. don't need to have these. So slight segue, you just told me that Word of Honor's plot is Fatal Fury, the motion picture. Yes, it's a it's a pretty <laughs> it's a pretty similar crossover there now nobody sings oh angel but there's some really great songs in word of honor anyway so i highly recommend oh my god um (laughs) know what i'm um, doing after this and then uh just on a pure like visceral level like in the sense that uh just in the same way that the characters have really ornamented and like really really lavish costumes these are really cool swords and i mean that like capital k-e-w-l cool these are cool looking swords the kind that i would draw on my notebook paper when i was supposed to be taking notes in class like here's a super cool sword and what if it had like a dragon head you know like that kind of just like these swords are outrageously cool looking uh and i just i love them on that pure level the designs are completely over the top this isn't just like oh it's a cool sword with maybe like a gold hilt oh magic like no these things are like intense these are magical items in a fantasy setting of the best kind i love them (laughs) (laughs) i think one other thing that's tangential to the to the point the reveal about edgeless blade having like an entire crate full of magic swords to kill and banish Mm -hmm. demons with is the the other big established point of this first season is skill with swordsmanship is a really big deal and it's very important and to the bad guy it's the most important thing and he finally corners the trickster the enigmatic gale and he's like ha ha your trickery won't save you now because i'm a master swordsman and the enigmatic gale goes it just so happens i got really bored because swords like mastering swordsmanship completely and perfectly <laughs> that's 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 so like 10 years ago man but i'll, I'll humor you why not and he just wipes the floor <laughs> with the bad guy who wiped the floor with the deadliest assassin in the land Right. <laughs> who was the bodyguard to Enigmatic Gale? Mm-hmm. Who Enigmatic Gale just decided to mess with? It's just so ridiculous because, yeah. well, Enigmatic Gale is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love that archetype, the sort of the cocky trickster and all that. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an actual god of swordplay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen him uh, like I understand like there's this is an ongoing series so this actually couldn't have happened but if this were a self-contained uh, season one series a single course show I would have liked Enigmatic Gale to face some actual consequences for his actions and this would would this would tie into keeping that huge beautifully horrific demon around a little longer mm-hmm. so you know say that actually does start to rampage the earth and granted, Enigmatic Gale doesn't really care about anyone except for himself and his own, own amusement. But maybe he starts to care after coming into contact with the consequences of the suffering caused by that demon being unleashed, because that's all on him. Um, so, yeah, it's just, just something like that I would have liked to have seen. But the story continues, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and now it's it's kind of funny because as you get into... That you're know, setting up for season two, he's now going around. <laughs> he's he's found a new target to pick on, and yeah. so now he's like, "Oh, this guy who's really really amazing with swords, and he has a whole treasure trove full of swords, like the one we just spent a whole season, like keeping from being assembled." 
uh, I'm going to just tell the whole world about him. <laughs> I mean, he, he likes to keep it interesting, uh, uh, if, yep. if nothing else. Um, all right. So, so are, are we, are we ready for, for questions now? Yeah, I'm ready. I think I'm ready. so. Um, I'm going to start, uh, with a question from myself. <gasps> uh, <laughs> Dramatic reveal. Yeah. The question askers. <laughs> Yeah, take, take, taking a trickster's page here. Um, this is totally unprecedented, Jared. <laughs> but uh, nobody, we had somebody ask about about most kissable puppet. But who's your favorite character in, in, in the first season and in the movie? And or in the movie, I guess I could say. Ink, why don't you go first? I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> uh, so from the series... Definitely Enigmatic Gale, because I love Agents of Chaos. So um, he's really what made the entire watch worth it. I loved his, I love his selfishness, selfishness. I loved his uh, motivation, his his joy in life. Uh, and I loved w- the effects that has, has on the story. For the movie, uh, the fake Edgeless Blade. Totally my favorite character. <laughs> the entire thing. Like, if I had to rate both together... Fake Edgeless Blade is the best character in that entire uh, universe. <laughs> Grant, how about you, man? So this is tough. Uh, I mean, first off, I, my heart always goes out to the goons, you know, the mooks, the, the underdogs, <laughs> uh, blade-looking thief and all that. So I have to give big props to the goon in, like, the first episode who he needed to alert his lord, you know, the, the, the evil, the, the evil uh, antagonist of what was going on. So he cut off his own head and let that bird carry his head back <laughs> to the fortress so that he could, like, through his eyes, the story could be told. Like, that, when he cuts his head off and his head flies in the air off, like, a high-pressure ple- bloodstream, you know you're in for, like, quality cinema. You're like, this is it. <laughs> this, I'm in for something good. You've got me. And so, like, you know, props to that one goon puppet who did that. Um, in terms of a slightly more established character, it's got to be Sha Wu Shang, the Screaming Phoenix Killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, first off, Screaming Phoenix Killer, that's just A++++ branding amazing um what an amazing title to be known by super i love his design you know the 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 deep purple hair with the the braids and the huge feathers and then like the super deep cut shirt and like he's running around killing people i just he's 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 got to take the cake and the tragedy and of course the movie as that extra layer onto his character i i love him he's he's great when every line you say could be something from a bauhaus song (laughs) <laughs> you really you really you, i mean you you really gotta you gotta give some respect to that guy because yeah. <laughs> i mean he he was he in a in a in a, in a cast full of of pretty goth people mm. he was like no no i am going to take it to 11 and just everything i say is going to be dark and brooding and mm-hmm. let me let me brood you know, um, I mean, a brooding puppet. They made that work. I mean, it's just so impressive. Resting brood face. He's got it. Resting brood face. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I am brood. And I, I always love side characters anyway, just because, you know, sometimes your leads have to be a little more, I wouldn't say generic, but you can't you can't always lean into the characterization sometimes because they have to keep propelling the story. They have to keep picking up the plot and moving it along. 
Um, and so sometimes, um, you know, Edgeless Blade and Enigmatic Gale, they kind of have to, you can't go all in on their stories, but with someone like Phoenix, you know, the Screaming Phoenix Killer, you can just go all the way in. You can do the dramatic with them because you don't necessarily have to keep him for the whole run, you know? So I, I, I love him. He's, he's definitely a terrific puppet, terrific character all day. (laughs) I I would, I really, I really, really, I, I, I'm a sucker for these kinds of heroes. So Edgeless Blade is my favorite character. I love, I love a reluctant hero. Mm. Um, and, and he, he epitomizes a reluctant hero. I also like badass swordsmen who hate being badass swordsmen. Um, and, and, and like, so they carry around wooden sticks that they then just annihilate people with like it's a sword. Um, right. <laughs> you know, it's the old Rurouni Kenshin fan in me, I guess. Um, where where they they've become so powerful at swordsmanship that they they now kind of have this kind of self revulsion <laughs> about what they are. Mm. Uh, so so I I really like him. Um, I, I I also really like the enigmatic Gale T though because he's such a he's he, his his lines are so good. He's got the best lines in the whole show. Um, and the way that he twists things around, it's just, it's just brilliant. Um, but, but if I'm having, if I got to pick one, it's probably going to be, it's, it's, it's probably going to be the Edgeless Blade because he's, mm. he, 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 in a lot of ways is sort of against type in a, in a, in a Wuxia show, but he kind of isn't too, because there's usually that one main person. It's typically a dude, but there's like that one main person who's like, not only incredibly competent warrior, but is all, but is also highly principled and and is generally a, a nice person. Um, you, you know, there there usually is is one person like that in in the show. Uh, so I I kind of like that he is so starkly different from the rest of the cast. Mm. Mm-hmm. Can I also insert a question, an original <laughs> yeah. question before our actual questions? Of course you can. <laughs> Best death. And I'm going to go to uh, Grant with this one. I don't know if I can top cutting off your own head to notify your lord <laughs> through your corpse. That's such a good death. It's such a good death. I don't know. Like, that's. Uh, yeah, I really can't top that. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jared? I mean, it, it's a hell of a strong death. Yeah. <laughs> so, two votes? Mm-hmm. Two votes for that? Or you got something else? I, I, I mean, honestly, when I think about best death, that's immediately where I went. But I really, I'm gonna give it up to the other the 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 goons that didn't even have any name. That, like, towards the end of the first season, where Edgeless Blade is like, or maybe it was in the movie, sort of Life and Death, where he's like, Nah, fuck it, I got I got places to be, I got to deal with y'all people, and he's like literally exploding people. <laughs> like when he hits them, he's not even cutting. Like they are just like bursting apart. Uh, like that's those those poor guys. They're like like bones of creation. He's already dead. Nah, we're we're gonna fight you anyway. Well, all right then. <laughs> I'll let me send you out in style by blowing you up with my boken. <laughs> you know. So I, that's probably the close second, but I mean, I mean, real talk. 
Cutting off your own head. That's so strong. <laughs> Cutting off your own so head good. so a death vulture can grab it. I mean, <laughs> so good. Fuck, man. So good. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that was the first thing that made me perk up and just go, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm telling you, that's when you know you're like, oh, wait, yeah, I'm in for something good. <laughs> that's when you know. I almost wish that that, that that had happened and the blood spray would have, like, spelled out, written by Gen Urubochi. <laughs> because if you didn't know by then, by God, you knew after that. <laughs> I think mine is a bit more on the comical side, more comical than someone cutting off their own head and getting it swooped up by a death vulture. Um, <laughs> comes in the, the movie uh, towards the end where the remainder, and this may have been what you were talking about, Jared, the remainder of the, uh, the clan uh, that was hunting down the sword for the main big bad, there are only three of them, and they go to attack uh, Edgeless, Edgeless Blade, and they have the spell cast upon them. They're, if their heart stops, then they burst into acid, or their blood becomes acid, and they <laughs> blow up. And the way you are initially introduced to this is someone gets impaled on a log and then blows up. <laughs> and you, you, you don't have any of that explanation prior to that. And when, when someone just gets impaled on a log and then blows up, I lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they just don't care anymore, and I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's like big Zatoichi energy. If you ever saw any of the old Zatoichi movies, when like people just like erupt in a shower of their own blood, <laughs> and, and and it's really incredible. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, Grant, do you want to ask a question of yourself and us? <laughs> what's going on with my life uh, oh, no. <laughs> oh. look out for um, our new series where we start talking about what's going on with Grant's life coming to you soon well it all started when I was a child um, no. uh, <laughs> so uh, you know I guess I'll ask this question d- 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 did, the, did the first season in the movie make you want to continue watching on to season 2 and season 3 and so forth Jared oh, really is that um yeah yeah like the only reason i stopped watching after season one and the sort of life and death is because they there wasn't a season two yet and i started watching the first couple of season two episodes and then life got extremely busy and and i'm i kind of right now shameful as this is to admit i kind of watch things for the show and that's all the anime and stuff I watch. <laughs> so, like, yeah. There's so much good TV to watch right now, though. Um, yeah, we're really... There there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, but I do... <laughs> like, seeing this again has, like, really reignited that fire. And, and I'm going to I'm gonna go on to, to watch season two because I want to... And then eventually season three because I want to see bard man with the talking musical instrument and i want to figure yeah. out what his deal is and yeah i didn't want to bring him up too much but he he is another favorite like we're not including season two here but i love love the red-haired musician character he's one of my favorites so i'm glad to hear you say that <laughs> the movie the movie focuses on him too he's got a liar it talks <laughs> sass i mean like yeah a demon looking liar it's like even better yeah, sentient sentient objects and weapons. Like, man, that's a trope that I'm just like I'm hooting holler and I love that stuff. So <laughs> Yes, sir. I think I'll be stopping. Um <gasps> I I can't imagine anything really being as twisty 
as the movie slash recap episode, uh, which is what I really enjoyed. Uh, the uh, watching the first season was fun, but it was very repetitive, and you know it was, it was what what I've said before. It was enjoyable for the time. I don't think I'd have time for more of it because if it doesn't change that much and it just follows its own thing and there's new characters with new abilities. I don't really care what the character's abilities are. I've seen what the show can do and how it wields the magic it wanted to uh, bring to the world. And I really do enjoy having seen that magic, but I don't think I need more of it. Like I watch anime for the show now. Ink watches fantasy when I beg him to for the show now. <laughs> exactly. Um, You're denying yourself joy, my friend. That's all I'll say. I mean, yeah. Denying yourself joy. Oh, Grant, I've been working on him for years now, man. It's, it's going to be a while. I will say... Uh, hey, I loved Lodos War. You, you did. You did. Thank God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, We're back down to DEFCON 3. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not a total <laughs> loss. But, um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, Ink will... I'll let you know. Uh, if it's twisty, if it's more twisty. I mean, Grant, do you feel like season two is more twisty for those who are the for the twisty core people? I don't know if I would call it twisty. I guess I would say that the first season doesn't, you don't really have a good sense of place in the first season. It's all really riding on the characters who are, as we've mentioned, a little light on the ground. So it's really more on their interactions. And when you do finally get some depth, like in one of the movies, right, all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is really, really, really good. I want more of this. I would say the follow-ups deliver exactly that. You've already got these established characters. You can still keep introducing more, but also discovering more about them. And I think the antagonist of the second season, um, who's a, uh, I guess, a police officer or officer of the law, um, but obviously the concept of justice and, and enforcing the law is a big theme, in the second season. And as I mentioned before, the whole thing about the Jonghu is being kind of you know, not of society, sort of an external force. So you have this kind of government agent sort of meddling in that world. And it's a, it's just classic conflict. It's really, really, really good. And I think he's a great character. Um, I, I, I think the second season would give you more of what you want. I'm not, I can't, I can't tell you how to live your life, Inc. I can't do that. But I, I think the second season has more of what you want. Just saying. But I wouldn't call it, twi- like, it's not a complex plot sort of thing. I wouldn't call it twisty like you know it's not it's not like you know you you don't have to like map it out you know on a on a on a, a cork board with red thumbtacks and string like it's not quite that complicated but i i think it gets richer because they've established enough that you don't have to move so light on the ground i get what you're saying i just uh, i was a little put off by the end of the movie when they pretty much sailor moon it and they're just like oh princess of the crystal it's that's the wrong thing that was penguin drum um the, the neo tokyo queen or whatever it was has these different min- minions that now have to collect all the swords again and i'm like oh, okay yeah I'd say, okay <laughs> that's it yeah i i i and, and grant i think you mentioned earlier you, you you absolutely desire to see the third season when you are able yes correct it, the only thing really stopping me is i keep getting uh, stuff uh, for A and N that I have to read or review or put, like I had, I had to do the, the Ninja Gaiden Master Collection review recently. So I was like cramming through oh, three games thing. of hardcore ninja fighting and stuff. Nice. Yeah, poor baby, poor baby. <laughs> ninja Gaiden. Oh. oh, 
Yeah. Not terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> no but, you know, it's like I keep getting reviews that take time. Right. So it's harder to find space for the reviews that I may – I wouldn't say I don't want to do the reviews I'm doing. I get to review One Piece. I'm, I'm a happy man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's hard to squeeze in those joy watches just for me. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing that stopped me from watching season three. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, there's there's so much. The, the thing, that, like I said, the thing is stopping me. If anything, is just there's so much. There's yeah, so much volume. Yeah, like like now you've told me about another Wuxia show that I want to watch. Sorry. <laughs> and Sorry. So, so I'll add that to my growing list of things that that are are on Netflix that I want to watch in that in that genre, which there's actually quite quite a few now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the key is though though the one who dies with the biggest backlog wins. That's how it goes. <laughs> Challenge <laughs> accepted. <right>. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like then like you know Bad Batch is on, Loki's on. There's anime things happening. I'm sure. Uh, I, I Doom Patrol. I, Doom Patrol's good. Yeah. I mean, there's so many good things, cartoon and otherwise. Um. But yeah, so 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 definitely definitely intend to watch watch more of it. Um, now on to actual people's questions. <laughs> the actual ones. Um, Trick the TM. Hi Patrick. What's would you want? What would you want? I'm gonna say I edit it like live. What would you want your alias to be? Hmm. Well, it's one of those things. It's hard. You know, you, you, it's hard to pick a title for yourself. It's more what the the community gives you, right? Like it's got to be. Uh, yeah, it's got to be something earned. But if we're getting to pick them, that makes it, it's got to be cool. It has it has to stick, right? It doesn't really matter how good or bad it is. It just has to stick. Yeah. Does that mean we have to name each other? Oh, now there's an interesting. <laughs> there's an interesting. There's a possible lost friendships here. Tread <laughs> lightly. Tread lightly. I'll start off just because I already go by a, a, an alias. Yeah. <laughs> for, for those unfamiliar, Ink is not my real name. Uh, uh, I'll go by the Midnight Veil. Oh, that's nice. So that's nice, black as ink. Okay. Oh, okay. you actually put effort into that. I'm gonna go with the enthusiastic cheese because those are the two things that I could put together <laughs> in my mind the quickest. All right, I'm gonna try to make one that sound that has the right sort of verbal tempo and sounds imposing, but really isn't. So like. The pundering, rambling wife guy. Oh, there you like, go. My God, it's Grant, the pundering, rambling wife guy. You know, it's him. You know, lighter box on my eyes. <laughs> I dig it. You yeah. kind of encapsulated yourself pretty well, right there. Can I say, way with words. <laughs> I mean, I'm enthusiastic and I like cheese. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else. See, it's catchy. It, I I remember it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Just shared the enthusiastic cheese right there. That's the guy. I know that guy. That that guy. <laughs> that guy. Um, from the at Mermaxers. Did I do that? Merxamers? Merxamers? Merxamers, yeah. What are words? <laughs> All right, sure. Uh, if you appeared as a puppet on the show, one, what power does your stolen evil sword have? And two, how does your puppet get obliterated? <laughs> this is fantastic. That's a great question. Um, Ink, how, how, what power does your evil stolen sword have, and how do you how do you die? Uh, my stolen evil sword draws really well in the sand, and can write out your story. So I will control your movements by 
uh, a dance of the blade at my feet. Mm. Uh, and I will get obliterated uh, after, you know, after the battlefield uh, when I, I reflect on the day's battle and I go to write this epic poem. If that poem encapsulates everything, if it is the perfect poem, then I just burst into pieces. <laughs> nice. Grant, how about you? All right, so I, I love my magic. I don't know what my magic sword would do, but I, I always like the ones that are super heavy. Like the character has to like drag them across the ground or even unsheathing them. It like slams into the ground and knocks everything around. So it'd be like, you know, like a Nightmare from Soul Calibur, right? Just yeah. this enormous, you know, berserk, right? The, the, the guts. Triangle the, head the, from the, 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 air, <laughs> the airplane head. wing, basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just a huge like axe or sword or hammer or something that you just got to drag across the ground. And if I'm not fighting with it, I'm holding it with one hand and it's like resting on the ground. Um, and I think my my very ironic puppet death would be something like it'd be like a, a a town that we have to visit that i don't like i don't want to be here and everybody keeps wanting to go have like lunch or go have a meal at this one place and i'm like you would never I'll, i will never be served there i'll never be served there i'll never be served there. i keep denying that i even want to go in there and then eventually when we the battle happens i get knocked into the restaurant which collapses on me and in killing me cuts off my head which rolls onto a plate from the restaurant and so that I have been served at the restaurant, actually, in, in the in the grandest of ironies. I myself was served in death at that restaurant. And you got served. <laughs> That's what your puppet says <laughs> in Strikes a Pose. Oh, my God. Um, y'alls are both so good. I, 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 I struggle to think. No pressure. What, what I can do to even keep up with that. Um so I've already established I'm the enigmatic cheese, or, or not enigmatic cheese, the enthusiastic cheese. Um, I, I feel like my stolen evil sword would be very knowledge. It would be intelligent. It would be very knowledgeable about what wines go with what cheese. <laughs> but otherwise be completely useless as a tool in combat. <laughs> and my puppet would be obliterated uh, probably when I accidentally paired the wrong wine and cheese together. <laughs> Just sitting in, in, a, in a restaurant in some faraway land and I accidentally put the Gouda with a with a Chardonnay, and bam! I just explode like bloody confetti everywhere. <laughs> because this happened to my friend Eric. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, but I have I'm gonna have a dream about that happening to me. I'm I'm sure of it now. Um. From Alan Zabaro. Hi, Alan, uh, who is A Zabaro on Twitter. Uh, and this is a very important and good question. And I, I wanted to bring something up that I noticed we had a question about it. And Inc., I think you even saw that too and like moved this bit down here. So thank you for doing that. But um, he asks How do you deal with the gap between how names are pronounced in Japanese versus the romanization in the subtitles? Do you just give everyone nicknames like Vape Wizard? Uh, and and this is this is a, a topic of some sensitivity too because you know obviously uh, there's um, 
you know, there's cultural identity. Yeah, you know, e- even in a fantasy world, it's it's heavily influenced by non-Western ideas and and, and, and storytelling tradition. And it's it's there's there's the it's kind of a it's a kind of a copro. So it's it's you know, it has a lot of of Chinese uh, influence, Taiwanese, I think specifically influence and then also you know it's produced in japan and it's dubbed in japanese so they they talk about things with japanese names and japanese and kanji you always have like two pronunciations for everything there's there's a, a kun yomi and an on yomi and i i did not do the research to see if if basically like sung buhan for example i think is how you pronounce shofukan which is edgel's blade you know but that's um that's something that you know Corey actually uh our friend of of several podcasts pointed out that you can you can very easily get into a slippery slope of that's not our western name so eh, i'm not gonna make the effort um and i I feel like that's a valid point to call out and and i'll go ahead and put myself on the spot I I hear the names in Japanese, so when I think about them, I think about them as Lin Setsuwa, Shofukan, Setsumusho, uh, Kinsanun, like because that's what I hear. Um, and language-wise, for me, I've always been stronger with hearing and and speaking a language than I have been writing it down, and that's particularly so with Japanese. So, so I I tend to think about it that way. But you've even heard me, uh, you know, trying to remember all the different characters' names, and I'm like shorthanding it, you know. Um, so, but so I think there is a, 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 a some some sensitivity that has to be to be kept in mind when we're talking about a, a show like this, and and any in any show that comes from you know distant shores that's in a different cultural context than our own. With that big old long ass preamble out of the way, and answering the question for me out of the way, um, it either either you guys want to go first on that or go next on that. Uh, any any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, all uh, definitely you know, cosign everything that you're saying. We have to understand we're viewing you know the these sort of cultural storytelling traditions of of, an, of another culture, and this is a co-production on top of that, and we just always have to be mindful of that, uh, and we want to hope hopefully. We all want to try to engage uh, with something as authentically as possible without purposefully distancing it or anything like that. Now, there's a really important piece of context that has specifically to do with Thunderbolt Fantasy that really does have to be addressed. Um, and it's also easy to talk about, I think, a comparison point with another Peely work, and we'll mention that in a second. But essentially, here's what's happening. I mean, you know, obviously, it's a it's a Taiwanese company. It's a co-production um, uh, with Japan as well. The... The version that you are watching when you, well, I say you, likely, you know, those of us who are in the United States, right? Like when I, when I go and I click Thunderbolt Fantasy, here is what I will see and hear. I'm seeing the puppet show, but I'm hearing the Japanese voice actors who are using the Japanese names and so on and so forth. But the subtitles themselves are still from the, 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 the Taiwanese in the, in the Chinese, right? So there is a discrepancy between, and obviously you're, the names are slightly different, but also, you know, you're not like I know for myself, 
you know, I, I don't speak any of these languages. I do have one other language in my, uh, in my back pocket, but it's, it's not uh, East Asian, so I don't have any, any context here. And I, you know, I'm a visitor myself. But a lot of times, you know, you, when I'm reading subtitles, I look, cause obviously even English syntax and so forth is very different, right, in the ordering of words and so on. But I'm going to look and I'm going to read. I see, okay, down here I see the name. So I think I roughly know how that will sound. And then I'm listening to what the voice actors are saying so that I can hear how it's appropriately pronounced. I'm like, ah, okay, so now I know what to listen for when they're speaking. But the problem is there's a discrepancy because the English subtitles are based off the Taiwanese names, which are, you know, are literally pronounced differently and, and romanized differently with a different sort of kind of set of, of rules, uh, if you will, that are usually used as opposed to the Japanese names. And if there were Japanese subtitles and how that might be represented in the English. so like there's a there's a discrepancy and that can be very difficult and even for myself as someone who watches I mean this doesn't make me an expert or anything but like in my spare time for fun I watch a lot of Japanese media and also watch a lot of Chinese media and I know how to I, I switch my brain to the modes you know for the different pronunciations that I'm expecting from the English subtitles usually um, and this was a challenge for me because there was a discrepancy like my brain would kind of like click back every time um, and I guess to offer a counterpoint where this, I shouldn't say counterpoint, but to sort of further underscore this issue, um, Peely, the company that, that does the puppet work here that we're talking about, um, again, I mentioned they have a long running series, uh, other than Thunderbolt Fantasy. Um, if you have Netflix in the U.S., you'll notice a very similar looking show called Peely War of Dragons that's on Netflix. Now, this is actually sort of a wouldn't call it a reboot it's kind of like a, a remaster if you will a, a reshoot of the sixth season of that long-running series and this was not a japanese co-production so the voice actors are all speaking chinese and the subtitles match right they're, they're romanizing or, or putting in english those names as they exist and i can remember like i know even though i watched the show two years ago at this point and even though it was the sixth season of a show that I had not seen the first five seasons of so I had no context on who any of these characters were and there's really no summary for you I can remember that the main character's name is Kilu Lin because they, the voice actor says Kilu Lin and I can see ah Kilu Lin down there in the subtitles and it's easier to remember so there's less of a hurdle you know as an English speaker and in, in Thunderbolt here there's a discrepancy between the subtitles and the, the voice actors that you're hearing and if you're so it can be harder it certainly was a challenge for me even still I had to remind myself before we got on I was like wait what was uh Screaming Phoenix Killer's name again because all I can remember is the sort of English title they gave him because I couldn't I, I don't have like a, a sort of voice memory of someone pronouncing his name right in the actual work so that's that's just something to be aware of obviously we want to try to engage with the text and with and character names as authentically as possible in in what we're able um but that's definitely a hurdle here that i really wish i, I wish they had gone one way or the other um you know if they were since we got the version with and i'm sure it's a rights thing i have no way of knowing but i'm sure it has to do with the expense of getting the rights to show okay we can show the footage but we can only get the rights for these subtitles i i don't know the behind the scenes decision making on all that but i really wish we had either gotten you know the, the subtitles to match the voice cast if you will one way or the other you know just just give me one or the other but we kind of got a bit of both and i think that makes it a challenge for 
an English-speaking audience to, to connect with these characters. So I find myself falling back on either my shorthand names for them or the titles that they go by in the subtitles sometimes, The Screaming Phoenix Killer, The Enigmatic Gale, because I can remember that. And my brain is trying to attach a voice memory to a name and there's it's it keeps bouncing off of it. And so that's... I, I wish that weren't the case, but that is something to be mindful of for the show. I don't think it... I think it's a pretty minor issue overall I, I wouldn't say like oh this is going to ruin your experience you should never watch it like i love this stuff um but again I, i've seen more thunderbolt i get, well i don't know peely war of fantasy was like 20 something episodes or war of dragons rather i don't know i've seen quite a bit of both puppet shows but i remember a lot more of the character names uh from war of dragons simply because the voice cast and the subtitles it was it, they were paired correctly i guess i would say yeah and i well and i think you and i show two different ways of interpreting that data because our brains are wired two different ways. So you're, mm-hmm. you're to your point, you know, the, you're keying off of, you know, you're, you're able to reinforce what you're hearing with the subtitles. And, and mm-hmm. for me, I'm focusing more on what I'm hearing in the dialogue. Right. And I'm, I'm overwriting what I see in the subtitles for that. Sure. And that's valid. I mean, people's mm-hmm. brains interpret data differently, um, for sure. And and I and I think that's that's a that's a absolutely valid point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. th- th- I know for myself, like I watch English shows with the subtitles on because sometimes the audio balancing is weird, and I just want to be able to hear, like, oh wait, what did that character say? You know, I just want to hear their voices when they talk, and sometimes it's off. So like, I'm I'm sort of even when I'm watching something in my native language, I'm trying to key audio with the text that i'm reading at the same time that's just something that i like to do so you know like that's just my approach and for me that was that was definitely a hang-up but it can it can make talking about the show difficult it can make remembering the character names difficult because it you know you're, you're getting kind of two two different streams if you will yeah which is unfortunate i'm a third key in this um because i'm i'm a, i have amazing ears for uh detail and speech but when that's countered by the disconnect grant mentioned the audio visual disconnect of the uh you know the the taiwanese or the uh, japanese uh audio and the uh taiwanese subtitle or subtitle names romanization of the uh, the taiwanese uh names um that totally messes with my head um as it as it did grant because i'm i'm listening i'm hearing this name but i'm not mm-hmm. seeing it spelled out and i can't mm-hmm. my mind can't balance those two so i fall back on the titles uh like you know grant said the the enigmatic gale and all that um but also i think over so many years of this podcast as i've established like i have a piss poor memory for names and <laughs> that's also a problem for me as well yeah. my memory's so bad <laughs> it's that but like i you know we consume so much nowadays like the, the the sheer catalog of the entire humanity's existence is so vast that unless i'm really connecting with a show i'm not gonna remember anything about these characters unless it's like really really hitting me like i'm i'm not gonna you know allot any storage space to character names i'm not going to think about after this podcast mm-hmm. um so i will reduce them to character traits and it's not because I'm trying to um, sideline the culture, it's just because that story didn't hit with me. So if I was really affected by that story, I would remember the names of the characters, 
And, you know, in this case, it's a little more difficult because of that disconnect uh, we've mentioned. But uh, if, if something really hits, it doesn't matter what language it's in because I'm going to remember that character for the impact they made uh, mm -hmm. and for the story, uh, the impact the story made. Um, so it's, it's, not, it's not intentional. It is a kind of cultural erasure. But I also do it with English shows. <laughs> like, I'll forget Bob. I'll forget uh, Susan. You know, it'll be oh yeah, that chick with the green uh, nose ring, or you know, whatever. And uh, so I, I do it across the board. Uh, and I know it has different implications uh, with what you're watching and uh, to other people who appreciate those stories. Mm -hmm. And I can only offer an apology and say, you know, I've I've crossed midlife and uh, my memory isn't going to get better. <laughs> I mean that is legit true about you, Ink. You you really don't remember names well, and Lord knows we've got the podcast evidence to prove it. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> uh, now uh, another question from uh, Nikki Enchilada, still a great Twitter handle. Uh, who is the most kissable puppet? We saved our best question for last. I mean the hard hitting stuff. I mean, I know, I know mine. I don't know about y'all, but it, it was the head that got severed after <laughs> chopped. <laughs> no, you know, I try. I have a rule now. Ever since spring break two thousand five, no more kissing. This, you know, decapitated heads. That's, I'm, I'm past that phase in my life. You know, thank God. Um, no, it's got it's got to be Zing Hai, the uh, evil uh, woman who they're when they meet in the sort of like the uh the, the night devil force yes. is that what it's called yeah uh and she has the big horn like look the big horns i'm a sucker for villainesses all day <laughs> she has the giant demon horns the evil laugh like uh, come on I, I i never stood a chance i never stood a chance i never stood a chance I, that is exactly my pick for all of those reasons for all of those reasons <laughs> now like that is you know, she is she is absolutely evil, unrepentedly so, and she dances mm -hmm. around and summons, uh, you know, summons undead. I mean, what's not to yeah. love about her? They do love to show her legs. Yes, they do. <laughs> if she had a redempt, like a redemption arc, there would be less attraction there. To be perfectly honest, like I, she's just mm. an outright villainous, and I'm like, madam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will be your skeleton. Yes, like that's that's <laughs> that's, that's that's one that's. That's one where I almost wish we we had like the the anime character design, you know, with with all the the legs and the dancing, but but it's all good. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the fake Edge's blade, because he has the big <laughs> big poofy cheeks, and he's like one of the few rounder characters in the show. And he's just so, he's he's just extremely kissable. I just gotta say. I mean, he definitely looks like he's he's stored all of the nuts in his cheeks for winter. <laughs> yes. um, he's, he's, he is, he is adorable in his, his hapless way. So, and I mean, I, honestly, you, you, we've got to, we've got to give like, a, like an honorable mention to uh, the enigmatic Gale, because look at how beautiful that man is. I mean, he's he, a pretty, pretty boy. He, yeah. He's, he's, he's almost got that David Bowie kind of energy about him. You know, he's, he's just a, extremely, Extremely beautiful, like mysterious, dare we say, enigmatic um, <laughs> scamp. <laughs> the enigmatic scamp. <laughs> the enigmatic scamp. That's 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 that should be the enthusiastic scamp should have been mine. But 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 now I've I've bound myself to an evil cheese pairing, cheese and wine pairing sword. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, the animatic Gale. I think the thing is, you just have to hope you're important enough to be tricked by him and need to be kissed. Like that's the. Yeah. You, it would almost be an honor. Yeah. Like, wow, he's really. It's really important that he pulls a fast one over on me if I'm getting a smooch out of this. Like, man, I feel important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, if he's gonna punk you, you have arrived. Like, you you are somebody. If if you're worth his time. Exactly. Exactly. Like Zoidberg. Oh, to be to be tricked and kissed by the enigmatic Gale. What an honor. Like, <laughs> Is it just me and not having watched uh, you know Yasha for so long, or does he have like a Shishomaru vibe? Yeah, a little oh, bit. Absolutely. Visually. A little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. The long white hair and the blue. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and now you can watch um, the Boruto Inuyasha. What's it What's it called? Um, Yashahime, right? Mm-hmm. It, oh, yeah. There's a follow-up now. Yeah. It's like Boruto, but Inuyasha. I just pissed off two different things. Inuyasha fans. Shippuden, I believe. <laughs> Inuyasha Shippuden. There we go. There we go. Send all your hate mail to Evan Minto at AndTheGamers.com. I, I thought I had invoked their ire, but we're going to go We're gonna go down on this ship together, man. I love it. Um, no, that's, that's good stuff. Um, I, I really do want to watch that one day. Um, so I, I guess we're, we're coming to the end of things here. Uh, Grant, it would be remiss of us to not tell everybody – where to find you, which is several places. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I do have uh, my hands uh, in a couple pots here. Uh, so yeah, you can, my primary places you can find me, I'm on Twitter at, at Grant the Thief, if you ever want to see me talking about just just the most obnoxious nonsense, really. <laughs> um, uh, you can also find me on the Blade Licking Thieves. Uh, that's my podcast with a couple of buddies who uh, we will once again be b- recording in real life again. Hallelujah. Uh, where we get together on the couch and watch movies uh, and talk about them together. Um, you can find me on the Super Senpai podcast where me and my buddy Pat uh, review tokusatsu shows. We're watching Ultraman Mavius right now, having a lot of fun on there. Um, and you can find me writing for ANN. Uh, I am the One Piece review guy. I do uh, the One Piece uh, episode reviews and also other stuff. I'm doing back arrow right now. Occasionally, I throw video games my way and you know just just whatever, whatever. Uh, I'm also thankfully, uh, praise be, I am uh, reviewing the Fist of the North Star manga releases uh, and just very very happy that I'm at that place. In oh life. my god, <laughs> that that's it's a good good time to be alive. That was that. <laughs> there was joy in my heart when I saw that news. I was like, oh uh, my god, because I could imagine. Your absolute just glee. <laughs> Finally, I've been I've been praying without ceasing for so long. <laughs> <laughs> what a wild time it's we so live nice. in. Yeah, it really is. Like, not only is it here, but it's got a just a gorgeous hardcover release. With just just all the not, not, nothing cheap here. Like, it's it's getting the prestige treatment. Just it looks it looks absolutely gorgeous like i i I saw your i've got it in my grubby little hands and it is gorgeous i I saw your tweet where you were like showing the cover off and everything and i was like Mm -hmm. oh man oh that's a really pretty so good oh and the content's great too yeah i was one of the legends but yeah so you can find me around podcasts a and n wherever Ink, how about you, sir? Animated Ink on the Tweety Box, over on the Taiku Podcast as their official Bad Sports Anime Correspondent, and uh, here, uh, also back issues of Otaku USA Magazine and Fandom Post. I, I guess if you must find me... <laughs> if you must. And you must. <laughs> then, then here is primarily the best place. Um, 
but also Twitter at JLaneNelson. Uh, also on our Anagamers Discord, where uh, we, we have a, a lively community there. I highly encourage you to, to come join that. That's those are those are the best places to find me. I'm an infrequent Twitter person. Like I will be on Twitter and I will like really, you know, be on and be be active and then I'll 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 not be. But if you at me, I I, I will I will absolutely respond. So please unless you're a bot, then then I'm not gonna respond. But uh mm-hmm. but but yeah, please reach out there. Um uh, happy happy to talk. Um but those are the those are the best places for now, because otherwise I'm I'm pretty boring. I I write and I work, and I do this. That's what I do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so on that note, uh, definitely go to anygamers.com for show notes, other blog posts. You can comment there. We we again we will respond if you comment. Uh, you can interact with all of us uh, via the Anygamers Discord. We mentioned. And, and a, a thing that you can also do that we really appreciate is supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash anagamers. That unlocks all kinds of different things for you depending on the tier that you uh, post or to, to decide to back us for. Um, if you get the content respecter tier, uh, it gives you not only the priority question privileges you get at lower tiers, but you also get uh, bonus articles, you get uh, bonus podcasts, um, you'll get access to our Old Taku in Space mini-series on Space Brothers. Uh, you'll get access to our ongoing limited series, um, Old Taku on a Bender, where we talk about Avatar the Last Airbender. And you'll get a- access... On a Bender. <laughs> you guys. I know. <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. That was all ink. I was I was banging my head against the wall trying to come up with something. And then it, like... like our enlightenment nirvana hit him and it, the rest was history uh, that's what made his puppet explode yeah we'll talk about a bit of <laughs> that was exactly it <laughs> limbs everywhere. that was exactly it um but definitely definitely check that out um lots of good content there the anagamers book club also there uh david and Inaki, uh cover light novels on that um you can listen to podcasts in the Anagamers family of podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music, Spotify, and please leave reviews so it'll help more people find our episodes where we talk about things like people exploding spontaneously. Um, but uh, for Grant, for Inc., for myself, thank you guys very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Doodle pip. This is like when you get in somebody's car and they're like, I'm sorry for the mess. And you're like, you don't even know what I drive in. Like, don't apologize. Like, it's filthy in here.